Good morning. morning. It's awfully quiet in here this morning. We need calisthenics or something, don't we? I'm telling you. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be in the house of God. And Lord, we thank you that uh, your word always works. We thank you, Lord God, that your word always comforts and uplifts. And Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you will help me to get out from the inside of me what you put there. Help me articulate it, Lord God. And uh, Father, just give us great favor this morning. And Lord, be with our pastor and his family as he ministers in another place this morning and bring them home safe in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, Jody, do you have anything for us this morning? No? Well, if you do, you just jump up and sit beside Bill and I'll see you, okay? Well, let's open our Bibles. Two places this morning we're going to be. Uh, we're going to start out in 2 Corinthians chapter number 31, and we're going to bounce over to Ephesians 6 at one time or another. So uh, turn in your Bibles or your phones, turn in your phones to 2 Chronicles 31 and Ephesians chapter number 6. How many here has ever known that unique experience, probably nobody but me, how many's ever known that unique experience of being attacked by the enemy? You have? I'm not, I'm not alone in that. Every once in a while in life, the enemy comes to try to steal everything we've got, our health, finances, emotion, even our very faith in Christ can come under attack. But here, here's something that I appreciate so much that our pastor is always hammering in us. Hammering's a good word, isn't that? Sometimes we need, sometimes we need it hammered on the inside of us. But something that, that Pastor Brent is always trying to hammer home to us is when the enemy attacks us in a specific place, it's to steal what we've already got, Sheila. That's right. Yeah, it's to steal what we already have from him. There's a, there's a, a, a crook standing on a street corner, and he sees a homeless man pushing a buggy, no shoes, ragged old beard, very, very nasty looking. And beside him at the same bus stop, he sees somebody in a three-piece suit. I mean, his shoes are so fresh, the alligators are still snapping. I mean, just looking good. And this crook decides, I'm going to rob the homeless person. What's wrong with this story? Huh? Listen, listen. A thief doesn't come unless you've got something to steal. Are you hearing me? Yes. The Bible has a multitude of things to proclaim about lives that have been transferred into the kingdom of God. And here's the mindset that we get sometimes. We get this mindset, okay, I'm a Christian, so I'm going to do whatever I can do to try to please God. I'm going to beg God any way I can to get something from him that's in the Bible that it says that I can have. And that is such a horrible, horrible mindset. Listen to me. The Bible says 
that we have when we're born again, when, when we receive Christ as our Savior, we're baptized into the faith of Christ, the blood of Jesus has been applied to our life, we don't earn anything, we get transferred into the house. Are, are you hearing me? We get transferred into that kingdom. So we're in a position now where we're not begging God for anything because he's already put us in the kingdom where everything is. Huh? Are, are you hearing me? Now, now watch. Let's, we've, we've done this before when I've been up here, but I, I want to do it one more time. We're going to pretend for a moment, for the next couple minutes here, we're going to pretend like the Bible's true. Can, is it okay if we did that? Sometimes we need to read this thing and pretend like it's real. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and... And if, if we're born again, if we're saved, the Bible says in Philippians 4, God meets all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That tells me I'm not broke. Y'all getting this? Okay. It also says in Philippians 4 that the peace that is at my disposal surpasses my very understanding of things. People have said to me, how can you be calm? I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand it, but it's mine. It's, I've been transferred into the kingdom of peace. I have supernatural peace. I'm a superhero. <laughs> It's supernatural peace in the midst of places that I should not have any peace. Isaiah 53, by his stripes I'm healed. That means I'm not prone to sickness. Romans chapter 8 says, nothing can take me from the hand of Jesus. Amen. Nothing can take me from the hand of Jesus. That tells me, just as it says in Isaiah a kingdom will rest on his shoulders, Richard. Amen. Not on mine. That salvation doesn't rest on me. It rests on him. And even when I'm messing up, he's not. Huh? So, if I didn't already have these things... What's the sense in coming after me for it? If I didn't have all these things already as a believer, what is the sense in the enemy trying to attack me to steal what I don't have? So here's what that tells me. If sickness comes at me, it's an attack to steal the health that I already have in Christ. If I see poverty... That means the enemy is coming to steal the abundance that I already have as a kingdom child. Depression comes at me. It's trying to steal the peace that I already dwell in. And sometimes doubt tries to get me in the middle of the night. 
We did a $100,000 renovation in the sanctuary. This church was so bad, the mice left, didn't they, Jody? Oh, it was so bad. We, we planted a new church many years ago, and um, we were looking, we were meeting at a, um, uh, an old folks' place, about Bill's age, um, that we were meeting at an old folks' place, and we'd have to set up chairs and sound system every Sunday and then tear it down and put it away and everything. We're praying for a church. So one of our folks called Jody and said, I found a church. So we went out and looked at it. Oh, my goodness. We went in this place, and I couldn't figure out why. There, there was a big red spot in the middle of black carpet. And I couldn't figure out why somebody in a church would put black carpeting in there. It just doesn't make sense, you know. Here, it was red carpeting. That was mold. That's, you know, this thing was so bad. I had to take medicine before we went the rest of the way in, Adrian. It was, it was so bad. But within five minutes, Jody's going, we're going to put the nursery right there. We're going to do this over here. And, you know, this will look good with a new pulpit up here and everything. It, we, how much did we buy? $1,000. We bought the property and everything in the church for $1,000. And the Presbyterian movement took us out to lunch so we wouldn't back out of the deal. Okay? So we plant this church in this thing. And like six months later, we did, yeah, six months later, we had an additional piece of property to it. We put in a second parking lot, and, and we do a $100,000 uh, renovation in the sanctuary. Now, I said all that to say this. People are going, do you think they'll come out? It's the house of God. They're coming. We got no problem. If God's in it, we can win it. About three in the morning, I'd reach over and grab Jody's hand and go, what if they don't show up? What are we going to do? You know? Oh, I'm looking good on the outside. Doubt tried to get to me. But the devil can't come and steal my faith unless I live in the kingdom that is of faith. You see? 1 Corinthians 10.6 says this, Now all these things, the Old Testament, all these things happen for examples for us. In other words, do what they did when they won. And don't do what they did when they lost. These are our examples in Christ. Last week, the pastor got talking about Hezekiah, and, and I love the life of Hezekiah, so I, I'm thinking about Hezekiah all week long. And Hezekiah put all of his faith and his trust in the Lord. He didn't always do everything right, Bill, but he put his faith and his trust in God. That was his shining right thing to do. So he destroyed the foreign gods, he rebuilt the temple, he reinstated the priesthood. And all through the life of Hezekiah, you can see this. Even though he didn't always do everything right, he was willing to repent. And that's right, you see? He, and he was committed to change before God, however God wanted him to change. And he pushed people to search their hearts before God. 
And he took a responsibility to always have action after the altar. And then finally, here's what the Bible says about Hezekiah. Second Chronicles chapter number 31, verse number 20, it says this. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good, right, and true before the Lord his God. Every work which he began in the service of the house of God in law and in commandment, seeking his God, he did with all of his heart, and he prospered. He prospered. So we see here a picture of somebody that's prospered in the Lord. Do you know that you have prospered in the Lord since you gave your life to Christ? Because, see, you were moved into a kingdom where everything we want already is. That means, as, as I don't know any one of my kids that would ever come into my house and see something and have to ask me if they wanted it. If it's mine, it's theirs. They know that. My daughter believes it a little too much. <laughs> You know, I can come in the house and find a chair missing, and I know who took that. Am I wrong, Jody? She just come in and take everything. Oh, I'll take that. <laughs> but she knows if her father has it, it's hers. She's in the house, you see? So we see a picture of a man that has prospered, and let me show you here what happens immediately after we begin to prosper in the Lord. Here's the truth. As soon as we get something, we catch the attention of a thief. Thieves don't steal off of poor people. And we just became the righteousness of God in Christ. And he not only handed the kingdom to us, he put us inside of the kingdom. And what is his is ours. Never let the thief steal that from you. Now watch, watch. The thief doesn't come after you because you finally earned something from God. The thief comes after you because you've been transferred into the mansion where everything is already at your disposal. Let me show you this. Look at... Chapter 32, verse number one. After these acts of faithfulness. Now watch. <clears throat> after he becomes blessed. After these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and besieged the fortified cities throughout to break into them for himself. He saw somebody that had been given everything from the Lord and decided, I want that for myself. So here's a shadow that we're seeing. As soon as we get it, we catch the attention of a thief. Hmm. Let me show you what had happened to Hezekiah. Go back to chapter 31. Look at verse number 6. The sons of Israel and Judah who lived in the cities of Judah also brought in the tithe of oxen and sheep and the tithe of sacred gifts which were consecrated to the Lord their God and placed them in heaps. 
In the third month, they began to make the heaps and finish them in the seventh month, four months. That's one offering. Four months it took to do the one offering. If Bob saw that, he'd pass out like a fainting goat, wouldn't he? <laughs> when Hezekiah and the rulers came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. And then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. Azariah, the chief priest in the house of Zadok, said to him, Since the contributions began to be brought into the house of the Lord, we've had enough to eat and plenty left over, for the Lord has blessed his people, and great is the quantity left over. Then Hezekiah commanded them, Prepare rooms in the house of the Lord, and they prepared them. They had so much they had to build rooms to put it in. So much that they had overflow. Did you know that you were transferred into a kingdom of overflow? Hmm? Watch. Watch. So here's the point of what we're looking at. Not if the enemy will attack us to steal what we have but what to do when he does come to steal what we already have. Now watch this. We're going to look. These things were written for our example so we could do what they did so we could win the way they won. So watch what Hezekiah does when the enemy comes in to steal what he's already got. Look at chapter 32. Look at verse number 2. Now when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to make war on Jerusalem, he decided with his officers and warriors to cut off the supply of water from the springs which were outside the city and they helped him. So many people assembled and stopped up all the springs and the stream which flowed through the region saying, why should the king of Assyria come and find an abundance of water? Here's the first thing that I see. Poke your neighbor right now and say, he's going to talk about you. <laughs> now watch this. Watch this. In the Bible, it always talks about water under the guise of the water of the word. We're... By the washing of the water of the word. Anywhere you look in the Bible where it talks about water, you can translate that as speech. Okay? Now watch this. Here's the first thing I see Hezekiah did. The enemy came, down, came in and he said, stop up the water. Why should the enemy come? And we give him our water. Now watch this. Watch this. I want to show you something. The enemy's going to attack. We can hear the enemy attacking. We get news that the enemy's going to attack. And what's the first thing we do? I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I can hear Snackerib right now. Every time I get ahead, here comes another thief to try to take everything I got. You know what's happening right there? We're giving the enemy our water. Never give the enemy your words. Amen. Never, never, never. 
Can you only imagine a thief running across the street to you, Idra? He's got a gun. It's very hot outside. He stops halfway across the street, wipes his forehead. You say, what's the problem? It's really hot and I'm Here's some water. Let me help you out a little bit here. Hmm? Don't you know when the enemy is on the approach and we begin to say things that agree with what he's trying to do, we are refreshing him in his battle against us. Hmm? Never give the enemy your water. Never. There are times... <laughs> Jody and I have fought our hardest battles by saying nothing. Hmm? And let me tell you something. If we need water as kingdom children, God will give us all the water we need, which means he has given us all the word we need to succeed. Could I just say something not very polite? Shut up until you can quote the word. Hmm? Quit, yeah. Quit talking about how you're going to be defeated. Every time we do that, we're just giving a drink to the enemy. Let me help you out here, bud. You know? Here's the second thing. Verse number five. And he took courage and rebuilt all the wall that had been broken down and erected towers on it and built another outside wall and strengthened the Milo. That's the terraces that is built to go up to the walls. In the city of David and made weapons and shields in a great number. When the enemy attacks you, number one, never give him your water. Shut up until you can quote the word. Two, Hezekiah took courage and then he repaired the broken sections of the wall. Let me show you something here. In the face of an attack. How many knows who Captain America is? Huh? I'm sorry, only saved people really know who Captain America. Everybody knows Captain America, right? Okay, okay. One of the famous lines in every Captain America movie is he's getting punched and he looks at one of his fellow Avengers and he says, I can do this all day. Huh? Have you ever been attacked? Huh? Okay. Have you ever been attacked again? Huh? Again? Stand up and fight again. Amen. Huh? Listen, listen. We have the Holy Spirit. We can do this all day. Come on. We can do this all day. Just stand up and be brave again. Because the moment the enemy gets us to a place where we're running scared, he has beat us. Be willing to stand up and just be brave again. 
The second thing he did, he said, repair any place in the wall that's weak. Don't you know that's where the enemy comes in first? Is the weakest portion of the wall? Listen, there have been times that I have sat down with my wife and said this. We have allowed God to be out of this too long. Have you ever had to just be honest and say, it's time to get God involved in this thing again? Huh? Because that's what we do. That's life. If I drove like this all the time, it would take about three seconds to hit the wall, especially in our part of the country. There isn't a straight patch of road for more than a mile around here. Okay? But if you see me driving like this, you know that I'm making the adjustments I need to get where I'm going. It's called adjustments. Listen, there are times that we need to get together with our family and say, it's time to make some adjustments. We've been leaving God out of this too long. We need to get back in the battle in this thing. So let's pray. Let's get in the word of God. Let's fast. Let's do whatever we got to do because we got to repair every weak place in our life so the enemy can't get in anymore. Here's the fifth thing. Isaiah was obedient in doing things God's way. He set up captains over areas and told them, get out there and war and lead. Let me talk to the church leadership for a moment. If you're a leader in this church, we as a congregation have voted you in because we felt that you were trustworthy to put our faith in that you would dutifully watch over us and take care of us. And we would not have voted you in unless we desperately needed you. So if you are a leader in this church, if you hold an office in this church, please be ready to go to battle. Please be ready to be in prayer. Please be ready to take care of us because you are our first line of defense in this church. And we just don't need you. We need you on your toes. He got together with his generals and he said, get ready to fight. The church will never win over the enemy if we know more about sports than we know about God. Hmm? I had a leader in a church one time. Uh, it was a church that I was going into. He was already a leader. He could not find any place in the Bible that I asked him to find. Don't know where it's at. Don't know, don't know how to get there. He could name every person on the team and their stats for Cleveland basketball. I fired him. I didn't need him. He was a danger to our congregation. Hmm? 
Look at verse number 20. But King Hezekiah and Isaiah the prophet and the son of Amos prayed about this and cried out to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel who destroyed every mighty warrior, commander, and officer in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned in shame to his own land. And when he had entered into the temple of his God, some of his own children there killed him with the sword. Destroyed run out of town and absolutely destroyed. Now here's the rest of the story. Look at verse number 22. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others and guided them on every side. And many were bringing gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem and choice presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations thereafter. Jesus said, now, now again, we're, we're still in that time frame. I haven't released this yet. We're still pretending like the Bible is true. Okay? We're not done doing that just yet. Jesus said this. He said, Sheila... I can just see him smiling on this. It is the good pleasure of my father just to give you the kingdom. To give you the kingdom, Linda. He said, it is my father's. We're running around. The devil's got us convinced we got to earn something from God. And Jesus said, Richard, it is my father's good pleasure just to give you the kingdom of God. No wonder the enemy tries to make it so rough on us. We've got treasures we don't even know about yet. Hmm? Wouldn't it be a shame if we were given the kingdom of heaven and we stood by and allowed the devil to steal everything that we had. Wouldn't that be an awful shame when in reality we have a birthright that says we are the most powerful people on the face of the earth. We are, Bill, we're the most good looking people on the face of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> I think what we should do is get in this word and get in prayer and say, Lord, lead me to the Hezekiah kind of life. Hmm? Let's pray. My Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus. We give you permission, Holy Spirit, just to invade our thinking and invade our lives right now. If, if we've been absent, then we apologize. Lord, the enemy has just been banging away at our doors. Give us, O oh Lord, the heart of Hezekiah, the strength, Lord God, that caused him to be able to get up one more time and just be brave.
my Lord God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we give you invitation to invade our life fresh and new right now and give us the heart of a warrior. Because Lord, it's time we start keeping what we have. We have lost too much in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen. That's it? Let's stand up.